evidently, he had no problem. This is the LifeSpring Family Audio Bible, and I'm coming to you from Riverside, California. And podcasting since 2004, I'm your OG Godcaster, Steve Webb. This is the daily podcast where we are reading through the entire Bible in a year. Today, our reading is going to be Mark 5 and 6, and I'm calling the episode Out for a Stroll. Let's get right to it. Mark chapter 5. They came to the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gerasenes. When he got out of the boat, immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him, and he had his dwelling among the tombs. And no one was able to bind him any more, even with a chain, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been torn apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, and no one was strong enough to subdue him. Constantly, night and day, he was screaming among the tombs and in the mountains, and gashing himself with stones. Seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran up and bowed down before him, and shouting with a loud voice, he said, What business do we have with each other, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God, do not torment me. For he had been saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And he was asking him, What is your name? And he said to him, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he began to implore him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now there was a large herd of swine feeding nearby on the mountain. The demons implored him, saying, Send us into the swine so that we may enter them. Jesus gave them permission. And coming out, the unclean spirits entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea, about two thousand of them, and they were drowned in the sea. Their herdsmen ran away and reported it in the city and in the country. And the people came to see what it was that had happened. They came to Jesus and observed the man who had been demon-possessed sitting down, clothed and in his right mind, the very man who had had the legion, and they became frightened. Those who had seen it described to them how it had happened to the demon-possessed man and all about the swine, and they began to implore him to leave their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed was imploring him that he might accompany him, and he did not let him. But he said to him, Go home to your people, and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you, and how he had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. When Jesus had crossed over again in the boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him, and so he stayed by the seashore. One of the synagogue officials named Jairus came up, and on seeing him, fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her, so that she will get well and live. And he went off with him, and a large crowd was following him and pressing in on him. A woman who had had a hemorrhage for twelve years, and had endured much at the hands of many physicians, and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse, After hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak, for she thought, If I just touch his garments, I will get well. Immediately the flow of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Immediately Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? 
And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see the woman who had done this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. While he was still speaking, they came from the house of the synagogue official, saying, Your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher any more? But Jesus, overhearing what was being spoken, said to the synagogue official, Do not be afraid any longer, only believe. And he allowed no one to accompany him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the synagogue official, and he saw a commotion, and people loudly weeping and wailing. And entering in, he said to them, Why make a commotion and weep? The child has not died, but is asleep. They began laughing at him. But putting them all out, he took along the child's father and mother and his own companions and entered the room where the child was. Taking the child by the hand, he said to her, Talitha, kum, which translated means, Little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl got up and began to walk, for she was twelve years old. And immediately they were completely astounded. And he gave them strict orders that no one should know about this, and he said that something should be given her to eat. Mark chapter 6 Jesus went from the house of Jairus and came to his hometown. His followers came after him. On the day of rest he began to teach in the Jewish place of worship. Many people heard him. They were surprised and wondered, saying, Where did this man get all this? What wisdom is this that has been given to him? How can he do these powerful works with his hands? Is he not a man who makes things from wood? Is he not the son of Mary and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Do not his sisters live here with us? The people were ashamed of him and turned away from him. Jesus said to them, One who speaks for God is respected everywhere but in his own country and among his own family and in his own house. So Jesus could do no powerful works there. But he did put his hands on a few sick people and healed them. He wondered because they had no faith, but he went around to the towns and taught as he went. Jesus called the twelve followers to him and began to send them out two by two. He gave them power over demons. He told them to take nothing along with them but a walking stick. They were not to take a bag or food or money in their belts. They were to wear shoes. They were not to take two coats. He said to them, Whatever house you go into, stay there until you leave that town. Whoever does not take you in or listen to you, when you leave there, shake the dust off your feet. By doing that, you will speak against them. For sure, I tell you, it will be easier for the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah on the day men stand before God and are judged than for that city. Then they left. They preached that men should be sorry for their sins and turn from them. They put out many demons. They poured oil on many people that were sick and healed them. King Herod heard about Jesus because everyone was talking about him. Some people said, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. That is why he is doing such powerful works. Other people said, he is Elijah. Others said, he is one who speaks for God, like one of the early preachers. When Herod heard this, he said, it is John the Baptist whose head I cut off. He has been raised from the dead. For Herod had sent men to take John and put him into prison. He did this because of his wife Herodias. 
She had been the wife of his brother Philip. John the Baptist had said to Herod, It is wrong for you to have your brother's wife. Herodias became angry with him. She wanted to have John the Baptist killed, but she could not. Herod was afraid of John. He knew he was a good man and right with God, and he kept John from being hurt or killed. He liked to listen to John preach, but when he did, he became troubled. Then Herodias found a way to have John killed. Herod gave a big supper on his birthday. He asked the leaders of the country and the army captains and the leaders of Galilee to come. The daughter of Herodias came in and danced before them. This made Herod and his friends happy. The king said to the girl, Ask me for whatever you want, and I will give it to you. Then he made a promise to her, Whatever you ask for, I will give it to you. I will give you even half of my nation. She went to her mother and asked, What should I ask for? The mother answered, I want the head of John the Baptist. At once the girl went to Herod. She said, I want you to give me the head of John the Baptist on a plate, now. Herod was very sorry. He had to do it because of his promise and because of those who ate with him. At once he sent one of his soldiers and told him to bring the head of John the Baptist. The soldier went to the prison and cut off John's head. He took John's head in on a plate and gave it to the girl. The girl gave it to her mother. John's followers heard this. They went and took his body and buried it. The followers of Jesus came back to him. They told Jesus all they had done and taught. He said to them, Come away from the people, be by yourselves and rest. There were many people coming and going. They had no time even to eat. They went by themselves in a boat to a desert. Many people saw them leave and knew who they were. People ran fast from all the cities and got there first. When Jesus got out of the boat, he saw many people gathered together. He had loving pity for them. They were like sheep without a shepherd. He began to teach them many things. The day was almost gone. The followers of Jesus came to him. They said, This is a desert. It is getting late. Tell the people to go to the towns and villages and buy food for themselves. He said to them, Give them something to eat. They said to him, Are we to go and buy many loaves of bread and give it to them? He said to them, How many loaves of bread do you have here? Go and see. When they knew, they said, Five loaves of bread and two fish. Then he told them to have all the people sit down together in groups on the green grass. They sat down in groups of fifty people and in groups of one hundred people. Jesus took the five loaves of bread and two fish. He looked up to heaven and gave thanks. He broke the loaves in pieces and gave them to the followers to set before the people. He divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were filled. After that, the followers picked up twelve baskets full of pieces of bread and fish. About five thousand men ate the bread. At once, Jesus had his followers get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side, to the town of Bethsaida. He sent the people away. When they were all gone, he went up to the mountain to pray. It was evening. The boat was halfway across the sea. Jesus was alone on the land. He saw his followers were in trouble. The wind was against them. They were working very hard rowing the boat. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came to them, walking on the sea. He would have gone past them. When the followers saw him walking on the water, they thought it was a spirit and cried out with fear, for they all saw him and were afraid. At once Jesus talked to them. He said, Take hope, it is I. 
Do not be afraid. He came over to them and got into the boat. The wind stopped. They were very much surprised and wondered about it. They had not learned what they should have learned from the loaves because their hearts were hard. Then they crossed the sea and came to the land of Gennesaret and went to shore. When Jesus got out of the boat, the people knew him at once. They ran through all the country, bringing people who were sick on their beds to Jesus. Wherever he went, they would lay the sick people in the streets in the center of town where people would gather. They begged him that they might touch the bottom of his coat. Everyone who did was healed. This happened in the towns and in the cities and in the country where he went. Let's take a quick look at the end of chapter 6. Jesus sent his disciples across the Sea of Galilee because he wanted some time to himself to go up a mountain and pray. And by the way, do you know how big the Sea of Galilee is? It's about 13 miles long and about 7 miles wide. It's the largest lake in Israel, and at its deepest point, it's about 150 feet deep. So, back to the story. Notice I said Jesus sent his disciples, and the storm came up when they were about halfway across, with the wind coming directly from the direction that they were going. We know that because the text says Jesus saw that they were in a lot of trouble as they rowed because they were going against the wind. So they must have been rowing most of the night, and all the light that they might have had was the stars and the moon, if the moon was even out. Have you ever been on the water away from the lights in the middle of the night? It can be pitch black. The disciples were understandably frightened, and even the seasoned fishermen were probably afraid. Now, I know that Jesus was man as well as God. Do you suppose he knew that the storm was going to come? As God, he certainly would have, but as man, I'm not sure. We do know that he knew some things in advance, but everything? I don't know. I do have a hunch that he did, and here's why. Even though they were following his directions, or put another way, they were in his will, the storm came up against them. They had to struggle with all their might to stay in his will. They could have said, the wind is coming from the direction we're supposed to go. It's too hard. Let's turn around, or let's tack. We can make headway if we tack. If you're not a sailing type person, tacking is taking a zigzag course that allows you to make headway against the wind. But we know they stayed the course Jesus told them to go. Now, sometime between 3 and 6 in the morning, Jesus walked out to them. Have you ever thought of this? He was walking on the storm-tossed sea. Have you ever seen the surface of a large body of water when the wind is ripping? It's chaos. But somehow, Jesus was able to walk on it, and he made his way to their boat in the middle of the largest lake in Israel, at least four miles out. Evidently, he had no problem. Now, here's the part that makes me think that he knew the storm would come against the disciples. When he got to the boat, he said, Calm down, it's just me, don't be afraid. He said that because when they saw him walking on the water, they thought he was a ghost. And then he climbed into the boat, and guess what happened? The wind stopped. Now, I think Jesus knew the storm was coming, and he wanted to use this as a way to grow their faith in him. As a matter of fact, in Matthew's account of this incident, we're told that the disciples said, You truly are the Son of God. Why is this reported in three of the Gospels? Certainly, part of the reason, at least, is to show us that Jesus is who he says he is. But it can also be a lesson to us that even when we're doing exactly what we're supposed to do, even when we are exactly in God's will, we might have to struggle against seemingly insurmountable problems. Following God's will does not mean that we'll not have problems. Obstacles don't mean that it's time to quit. 
Struggles don't mean that we didn't understand God's will. Headwinds don't mean that it's time to turn around. Keep going. Don't give up. Stay the course. Calm down. Don't be afraid. Jesus calmed the sea, and there's nothing happening to you that he cannot help you through. He is as real today as he was on that stormy night. He delivered the disciples, and he will deliver you. What do you think? Comment at lifespringmedia.com slash S12E89. We'll be reading 1 Corinthians 9 and 10 tomorrow. Boost. I have a question for you. Is helping people read through the Bible in a year a good thing? How about helping you read through the Bible? Are you glad this show exists? Are the thoughts I share at the end of each day's reading helpful to you? Well then, your donation will help to ensure that I can continue to bring the show to you. If you think the uncensored message of God's Word is worth supporting, I need you to support the show. It's easy to do. You can find out how easy it is at support.lifespringmedia.com. And if you'd like to do it the way all the cool kids are doing it, you'll want to try one of the snazzy new podcasting 2.0-enabled podcast apps that you'll find at newpodcastapps.com. The app I'm playing with right now is called Castomatic. I think it's on iOS only. It has a lot of really cool features. But whether you stream sats and boost and send boostograms or do it the old-fashioned way by using PayPal or credit card or one of several ways I have at lifespringmedia.com, your support is necessary to keep the show going. Thank you, and God bless you. Boostogram. And speaking of boostograms, I got a boostogram this morning from Sean in San Pedro. Evidently, he's a day or two behind in listening, and he said, Happy Thanksgiving, and he sent 500 sats using the Fountain app. Sean, thank you for that. I very much appreciate it. God bless you, brother. On this date in church history, November 27, 1862, Adelaide Pollard was born. He was an American Presbyterian hymn writer. Of the several hymns he penned, Have Thine Own Way, Lord, is perhaps the most popular. And on this date in church history, November 27, 1921, the first Church of the Airwaves is established with services of the Radio Church of America. The word was brought to you by Walter J. Garvey from his home in the Bronx. So Walter was the OG radio godcaster. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, you are holy. You are good. You are righteous. You are just. You are merciful. We worship you. We praise you because you're worthy of our praise. We ask that your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We ask you to bless us, Lord, forgive us our failures, and help us to forgive those who have hurt us, who have wronged us. I pray for the Lifespring family, Lord. Thank you for bringing them here, and I pray that what they hear on the show is from you and that they are helped by being here. I pray for those that are sick, who need financial help, who are hurting emotionally. The holidays can be hard for a lot of reasons, Lord. I pray that you would comfort them. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, beloved, for our second Christmas song of the season, I've got Kat Yonke for you. Kat is another artist who was early in letting her music be played on podcasts, and I don't remember the first time I played her music, but it was certainly within the first year. Over the years, she and I became online friends, and then in April of 2014, she was here in Southern California from her home in Winnipeg to visit her sister in San Diego. So the lovely lady Leanne and I drove down to San Diego and took her to dinner. 
I'll put a picture on the show notes page at lifespringmedia.com slash s12e89. Kat has a CD of beautiful Christmas music on her website, which I will link to on the show notes page as well. It's absolutely, truly one of my favorite Christmas albums. I play it every year. And if you're good little boys and girls, I'll play more of it for you this month. Until tomorrow, may God bless you richly. Thank you for being here. I'm Steve Webb. Enjoy. Bye. Brightly shining, it is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth a thrill of hope the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn fall on your knees oh he was born O night O holy night O night divine Led by the light of faith serenely be
His law is love, and His gospel is peace. Chains shall He break, for the slave is our brother, and in His name all oppression shall cease. Sweet Him.